0: So it shows that Operation Christmas Child, which we're doing and filling these boxes, we do encourage you to pray about what you donate to put in these boxes, because I know it makes a difference in, 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 uh, in all these different countries that these boxes go to. I know, uh, Krista, my daughter, who's uh, you can go wave, Krista. There she is. Uh, Krista was involved in Burkina Faso, passing out 75,000 boxes a year in Burkina Faso, and she saw a lot of kids' lives change. So she If you want to know about how great they are, just talk to her. She'll tell you all about it. So we want to encourage you to be a part of that. It also ties into what we're talking about with prayer and how important prayer is. Here there's this prayer going on all the way over there in another country in Tanzania. And God hears the prayer of this mom and this son and answers with a pair of shoes. you think it's a small thing, but actually it was a big thing because God does answer prayer. Amen? So we've been talking about the connection. Romans 12, 12 says be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. We've been on a journey this year. We've been looking at finding joy in the journey. And we've discovered many different ways that we can find joy in the journey of life, joy in the journey of no matter what happens to us, God is with us, He can help us, and we can even go through trials and tribulations and still understand that God is the one that places that inner joy in our hearts. But we have been lately making a connection that you find joy in the journey through prayer, through spending time in prayer. And some of the things that we were looking at, if we could go to that next slide there, is some of the things we have been exploring is, you know, how did Jesus pray? And we looked at three different prayers of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, at the, at the Passover meal, the night before he was betrayed. We also looked at uh, what he prayed on the cross. We've been talking about, well, how should we pray? We looked at the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is not just the prayer that was given to us, to pray our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and then you can add the rest to that, but it's actually an outline for prayer, and that we can use that prayer as an outline to pray every single day. Then we looked at why pray, what, what, why should I pray, what's the big deal about prayer, you know, and we started uh, revealing all the answers to prayer that come along. And so I really want to encourage you to make sure that you're really cultivating a prayer life. Talked about where should we pray? Basically, the easy answer to that one is anywhere at any time. And then what does prayer do? What does it do in my heart? What does it do in my situation? What does it do to the situation around me as well? And then last week, I shared with you that I was off at a pastor's conference the week before a prayer conference, and I was up there praying, and the Lord laid this acrostic on my heart that... When we pray, we do experience, I think, four dimensions within prayer. Number one, when we pray, we see and, and understand and experience the presence of God. Oh by you, but that's, that's the best thing there is in prayer, Amen? To experience the presence of God. And then we talked about that the are in prayer, that when we are in prayer, we get these we experience these reminders of the race that we're in. That this race that we're in is about life and death, blessing and cursing. That there is a purpose for our life. There is a destiny for our lives individually. And then we talked about A, that A stands for the awareness of the spiritual realm. That when we pray, we become aware of the spiritual realm more so than if we don't pray. And, and there, there is a spiritual realm uh, happening all around you every single day. And prayer helps us to become aware Of that spiritual realm and then lastly why represented Yahshua which is Jesus and when we pray I believe we experience Jesus we experience what Jesus brings us which is peace love healing forgiveness grace mercy and all of those things come into that aspect as well Uh, so today we're going to be looking more so into uh, our next one is the hindrances of prayer and, and I think we need to understand how important it is to pray. We've been talking about how important it is to pray, why we should pray. But, you know, any time that you look in history, I've been kind of looking at a book, The Power to Change the World. It's a book written by Rick Jorner. It's actually a historical sketch of the Welsh Revival and the Azusa Street Revival. And what were some of the common denominators that precipitated the birth of these two revivals? One in this little... Uh, Uh, country and and Wales and the British Owl, and the other one in Azusa Street. The Wales Revival, the Welsh Revival kind of birthed in about 1904. The Azusa Street Revival, which was out in Los Angeles, famous for the street that it happened on, which is Azusa Street, uh, was basically about 1906. So we have two different places in the world, and all of a sudden these two uh, revivals break out. There's an awareness of God, there's a repentance of sin. There's this birth of prayer, which kind of comes over the communities in different supernatural ways. And so some of the things that we need to understand if we really want to see revival in Chicago, and I've been sharing that, you know, the last great revival to happen in Chicago was in 1917, by the way. That's a long time ago, over 100 years ago. And I don't know about you, I, I think Chicago needs a re- Oh, amen, if you're with me, shout hallelujah. I mean, we need revival. We need something to happen in our city. We need people to start respecting one another, honor one another, not shooting one another. We need to see, you know, things start to cease and families. We need this kind of stuff to happen and transpire in our, in our city. And for that to happen, I think we need to learn from looking at the revivals of old of what is it we should or shouldn't be doing. And I think one of the things we learn from Scripture is prayer always precedes revival. You can read about it in Exodus chapter 2, verse 24 and 25. God heard their groaning, their prayers, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And so God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. We find it in Psalm 22, 4 through 5. In you, our fathers, put their trust. They trusted, and you delivered them. They cried to you. In other words, there is prayed for you, and you were saved. If you, they trusted and were disappointed. And so when, then Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it up as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf, and the Lord answered him. See, there's all the way through Scripture, you can find how prayer kind of precipitated, kind of introduced These revivals, these awakenings to the spiritual things of God, people's lives are being changed and transformed as well. And Vernon, I think I need a new battery. If you want to bring me a new battery, that'd be awesome. I keep cutting out, so uh, we'll just get a new battery. But also, Charles Finney said, Revival is no more a miracle than a crop of wheat. Revival comes from heaven when heroic souls enter the conflict determined to to win or die, and if need be, We're on again. All right, is that good? Everybody hear me? Hey, that sounds better. It's a good one. You don't go in and out. Amen. (laughs) All right. So let's look at some other scriptures here and look at what Matthew Henry said. When God intends to do great mercy for His people, the first thing He does is sets them a praying. And, you know, it seems to be the, 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 the thing that we need to do. It seems to be what needs to happen, and I'm still cutting out, I think. So maybe it's not a battery. Amen? Maybe the devil doesn't want me to preach a sermon today, right? <laughs> Amen. All right, well, let's look at some other historical quants. So in my book here, what's interesting is Rick Joyner notes that with the Welsh Revival, he says, without question, the Welsh Revival was birthed and carried by devotion to prayer and intercession. As a matter of fact, when the beginning of the Welsh Revival started, it's this is how it started. It actually started with a few guys that were praying in a barn, one you know, considerably for a while. And then as they started to pray, the spirit of prayer seemed to spread around the Welsh countryside of this small little town. And then it seemed to be something happened that more people in this town were praying than ever before. As a matter of fact, services that you would have on like a Sunday morning like we're doing right now would actually turn into prayer meetings where God's presence would show up. People would be crying out because they feel the presence of God or they feel the need to repent of sin. And then well, what would happen is when one of these towns truly experienced revival, they would, they would as a town move to another town and they would go as a group praying from one town to the next. Then they would go to another town and they'd start praying in that town. And then this prayer meeting would spread to the people of that town. And then that town would rise up and they would start praying. And all of a sudden things would start happening. And, and when it reached a, a certain level, then that town would take a whole bunch of people. And then they'd move to another town and start praying for that town. And then that town would experience the same move of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know you, but it shows the power of prayer... When you really start to understand what prayer does in the spiritual realm, it does make things happen. Amen? Can you say amen to that? You can look at the Outer Hebrides Revival, which was a revival in 1949. It happened in the outer northwest coast of Scotland, and it was very similar. Well, many are aware of the impact of Duncan Campbell during this outpouring This revival was also precipitated by a faithful prayer warriors who paved the way before enduring that mighty move of God's presence. So behind the scenes, two elderly sisters labored labored for years, Peggy Smith, who was 84, and her sister Christian Smith, who was 82. These two ladies would pray regularly for God to send a revival to their city this whole area of scotland and they were relentless and they would have all-night prayer meetings and they would pray for people on the streets and and by the way just so you know uh, peggy smith who was 84 was legally blind and her sister christine smith who was 82 would be hunched over with arthritis but they believed in the power of prayer can i have an amen to that doesn't matter what you're facing in life or the hardships in life prayer does make a difference in the spiritual realm and so, as a result of that, the evangelists look back to them and point that they were the catalyst or the prayer movement that birthed this whole rebel, revival that broke out in Scotland. So, once again, we need to understand, we need to be praying. So, my, my first point is a pretty easy point. You know what a hindrance to answered prayer is? It's really simple don't pray. It's not a complicated theological issue. If you don't want something to change in your life, if you don't want your life to change, if you don't want your community to change, if you don't want your church to change or your school to change or even your home to change, then don't pray. But if you do want change, if you want something to uh, awaken the spiritual realm around you, if you want people to quit doing the things they're doing and be set free, then you really need to choose to pray. I mean, we have different prayer meetings here throughout the week. We have a Tuesday morning prayer meeting at 8.30. We have a Friday morning at 7 a.m. We have a Wednesday at 6.30 where we kind of pray for our missionaries. Uh, We have uh, different Bible studies that are, you know, connected with prayer. Our School of Kingdom ministry on Tuesday night is all about helping people learn how to pray and be willing to pray for people even on the street, to be willing to pray for somebody at Walmart or at the hospital or in your school. We understand that prayer is something that we should, as Christians, be doing, and Jesus encouraged us to pray and to ask. And so my challenge is, are you praying? Are you taking the time to pray every day? Are you praying corporately? Do you come out to prayer meetings, or do you expect God to do something? Claudette has a Bible study on Wednesday. Claudette, do you pray? Amen. I hear them through my office wall, so I know they pray. I can hear them praying. And so we have the ladies Bible study where people are praying. And and we pray on Wednesday night in my grow class. You know, one of the things we've been learning is we don't just learn about the theological side of having a relationship with God or a personal encounter with God. Our last five weeks has been on developing an intimate walk with the Lord Jesus. And we've looked at different dimensions. We didn't just talk about it. We didn't just do a Bible study on it. We took 20 minutes to a half an hour each night on Wednesday night to either pray or worship or do whatever part that we were being challenged to do you can't just talk about prayer you actually have to pray and so i want to challenge you to do that and so you know that's not even on my list of the five hindrances to prayer and and i've seen lists as high as 10 by the way and as high as 12 but you know i want to just look at five other hindrances to prayer and i don't know about you but if our prayers aren't being answered if we are praying Now, I want to preface that. If we are praying, we are spending time in prayer, and we're finding that we're not getting answers to our prayer or responses to our prayer, then it's time to do a heart check. It's time to take a look within us. It's time to take a look around us and see if there is something that is an obstacle to prayer being answered or is hindering my prayers or is crippling my prayers. And so I want to look at five different things that could hinder or cripple your prayers that you are praying up to the Lord Almighty. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 to 12. So we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 through 12. Now, uh, let's, I want us to read the text, and I want you to pay attention to what uh, Peter is telling us here, what he is describing, and then listen to what he says about prayer. Husbands... In the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Did you catch that? Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. He's not done, by the way, talking about what hinders prayer. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love his brothers and his sisters. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. Because of this, you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and listen closely, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So the first thing that we discover in our text is there's all these things that in my view cultivate what I call a culture of honor because basically the first thing, the big hindrance to a lot of people's prayer life is that there is there's issues between husband and wife there's strife in the home there is disrespect in the home there's a home that is filled with a culture of dishonor and not a culture of honor for one another or only for the family members and as a result of that we're told in scripture that that kind of environment that kind of culture can tort the power of your prayer be an answer. And so many people today live in an atmosphere and they're void of honor. They desperately desire it, but don't create a culture of it. The culture they live in is filled with disrespect, chaos, maybe even anger, you can throw in there too. But honor is not existent in those family households. And I don't know about you, but it becomes really clear here as I look at this. That we need to respect one another, that the, that the husband needs to respect the wife. The wife needs to respect the husband. There needs to be respect for one another in the family unit. There needs to be harmony within the relationships within the family unit. There needs to be sympathy for one another, putting ourselves in another person's shoes, you could say. There needs to be love for one another. There needs to be compassionate responses for one another. There needs to be humble attitudes with one another There needs to be a no-revenge mindset. There needs to be a tongue which does not speak evil or gossip about other people or put other people down, but it needs to be something that is uplifting coming out of your mouth, not something that is condemning. And then it goes on to say the tongue can't be filled with evil or a mind filled with deceit because a heart that practices these things is actually practicing evil, and God's not going to respond to people who are doing evil acts. Can... I get an amen from that. Now, God is forgiving. God is graceful. And there's this thing called repentance, which means I ask for forgiveness of my sin. And then I'm told in Scripture because of Jesus, because of grace, that I can ask for forgiveness and God will hear my prayer. So there's, there's always that premise. You can't ask God to forgive you of doing that which is wrong. And then something happens. See, I, I believe we need to create cultures of honor within our home within our church and we seek to do that within our school every day in our Christian school but I think it needs to be created in our culture too in our communities in our nation I mean come on just look around do we have a culture of honor in our society today it's lacking in a lot of ways if you watch the news see a culture of honor for others is a biblical theme woven into the bible as a matter of fact The first time we hear the importance of showing others honor is found in the Ten Commandments, by the way. It's in the Big Ten. And basically it says this, that kids are to honor your parents. Why? So that you can have a long life. And so there's this thing of honors all the way back in the Ten Commandments. But within, woven in the Ten Commandments is an honor for your parents, an honor for the elderly. But there's also you need to have an honor for God. I'm not even sure we have a culture of honor today in our society that even honors God. I see a lot of stuff of dishonor toward God, dishonor toward biblical things, dishonor toward traditional values that they don't matter today and that they're wrong and all these other belief systems are right. So there's this culture of dishonor going on in our society and it's up to the Christian to create a culture of honor within their family units, within their churches, and within their spears that they are in each and every day. So, you know, know, there's a church out in Redding, California, and they're big on creating a culture of honor in their church. As a matter of fact, they word it this way. It's actually part of their membership class. Part of their membership class is one whole class talking about how we are to honor one another within the body of Christ. They go so far as to say that life flows through a culture of honor... And every single person that is part of this church is responsible to create and build a culture of honor. It's our responsibility to create this culture of honor. It's our responsibility to show people respect. It's our responsibility to show people dignity. So creating a culture of honor is crucial if we do not want our prayers crippled. And we need to make sure that we're seeking to do that. So let's go on to my next point. What else hinders prayer? Well, what I find in Scripture is that selfishness will impede prayer from what I see. You know, in James chapter 4, verse 3, if you want to turn there with me, let's look at that Scripture text. We're going to look at verses 1 through 3 of James chapter 4. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight you do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So it's an important to note here that Scripture says self-centered praying does not get results from God. And, and, you know, I, I sometimes tell people if, if all your prayers are all about yourself, you know, it's almost as if you, God's going to tune you out because you're just totally wrapped up in yourself. How many times in your prayer life do you pray for your neighbor? Do you pray for your family member? Do you pray for somebody else? Do you pray for the church? Do you pray for the school? Do you pray for uh, the president or the house of representatives, the leaders there? Who are you praying for? What does your prayer life consist of every time you pray? Is it just your list that you're praying? Because we live in a self-centered society today. Selfishness, it's, it's out of control in our society as we take a look around. We, we see it in so many ways. We see it in lifestyles, mindsets, attitudes. See, today self is elevated and servanthood is deflated by our society and by some in the church. And, and so this shadow of self is large and illuminating over many today. I hear words like I, me, mine, and myself. Their focus is self-love, self-indulgence, self-worship, self-interest, egotism, egoism, and the list could go on. See, their desire is for comfort, convenience, and for their personal enjoyment, and that personal enjoyment comes in front of anybody else's enjoyment. And so that's, if you look at our society, people are self-centered. But the Bible tells us not to be self-centered. The Bible tells us to be servants of all serving and helping each other out, being there for one another, sacrificing for one another. Jesus said even pick up your cross daily and deny yourself and serve others. But you see, we have to battle that in our culture today. We need to be selfless and we need to promote Jesus and we promote Jesus through selfless acts. See, you know, self is something that will hinder our prayers. It will stop our prayers in their tracks if it's just all about me. Because Jesus wants us to be all about us, amen, about we, the church, we as a whole, the family of God, and we need to be praying for one another, and that's what we've been doing with our prayer wall over there, and, you know, I've been praying for those requests. I know during our prayer meetings, people have been going over taking pictures of it by the way with their phone so that they can pray for all the requests that are on the right hand side there, and we've even had a bunch of answers, amen. Because it's the people of the church praying for one another, sacrificing for one another. So my challenge to you is, have your prayers not been answered because of your self-centered focus? And only you can answer that because I can't answer that for you. You have to take a look at your heart, take a look at what's happening in your life. Let's move on to our third point. What else will hinder or block prayer? Well, you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, verse 22 to 24, an unforgiving spirit will block prayer. It will be an obstacle to prayer. It will hinder prayer. It'll build a big wall up between you and God if you have an unforgiving spirit. And listen to what it says here. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says you fool will be in the danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly." So, if you go to the altar and God lays on your heart, hey, you haven't forgiven this person, you still have an ought with this person, you're challenged in that moment in time to let go of the offense so God can take your offering, so God can hear your prayer, and you need to let it go. You need to forgive the person who has basically wronged you in some way. And, and they use a, a word there called raka, and and Jesus says, hey, you all know that you're not supposed to do this and have this kind of spirit with your brother. That word means to spit on them. It means to tell someone they are worthless or stupid or they're vain or empty and, and they don't deserve to live. That's kind of what it means. It's, it's like, you know, I spit on you. You're, you're a worthless individual. And yet we have people walking around with unforgiving spirits today and they pray and they ask God to do stuff for them, but they refuse to forgive others. See, we are to treat each other with love and respect, according to 1 Corinthians thirteen. And if you recall the Lord's prayer, Father, you know, forgive me my sins, as I forgive those who trespass against me. See, we supposed it's, it's it's a give and take here. If God forgives you, you got to forgive others. You you have to pass on that gift of forgiveness to other people if you want your prayers to be answered. You see, the act of forgiveness is not contingent on someone apologizing to the one who is offended. See, Jesus chose to forgive even when there was no apology from his persecutors. when he's hanging on the cross, what did he say? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do when he's hanging on the cross. We looked at that prayer and talked about how important forgiveness is in our prayer life. See, we need to make a commitment to forgive in spite of the lack of action on another person's part. Mother Teresa has a great poem that is on uh, her house of charity there in India on the wall, and it says this. People are often unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered. Forgive them anyways. If you are kind, people may accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you will win some false friends, and some true enemies succeed anyway. If you are honest and frank, people may cheat you. Be honest and frank anyway. What you spend years building, someone could destroy overnight. Build anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, they may be jealous, be happy anyway. The good you do today, people will often forget tomorrow, do good anyway. Give the world the best you have, and it may never be enough. Give the world the best you've got anyway. You're seeing the final analysis is between you and God. It has never be, be, been between you and them anyway. And we need to understand it's really between us and God. Forgiveness is his command, Mark 11:25. 25. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins, Mark 11:25, Hebrews 12, verse 14 and 15, make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and to defile many. So the bottom line is this, there is is nowhere in Scripture that forgiveness is something that's optional. Everywhere in Scripture that I see forgiveness taught, portrayed, modeled, and taught by Jesus is something that we need to do. It is made perfectly clear that if we do not forgive, we shall not be forgiven. There are no two ways about it, and I'm not just saying it, but C.S. Lewis also said it in his book, Mere Christianity. So we have to forgive if we want our prayers to be answered. Let's go on to the next point. Number four. By the way, as we're moving to the next point, it's actually healthy for you to forgive. How many knew that? Raise your hand. It's actually healthy for you to forgive. As a matter of fact, the Worldwide Forgiveness Alliance notes these health benefits for those who choose to forgive. Practicing forgiveness contributes to better health, uh, stronger, more lasting, and more loving relationships, greater abundance, prosperity, and financial resourcefulness, a more real and lasting sense of self-worth and purpose, a deeper sense of connection and security in the world, a more heightened feeling of freedom, joy, and laughter on a daily basis. So it's healthy for you to choose forgiveness over unforgiveness. Let's look at the next one. Unbelief will obstruct prayer. What does it mean, this idea of unbelief? What does it mean not to believe? Well, let's Look at our scripture text here, James chapter 1, verse 6 through 7. And what does it say? If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord is the double-minded man, unstable in all he does. Now you can also read uh, Hebrews eleven six. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So faith, it really believes God is who he says that he is. Faith believes in God and then expects God to reward them who trust and follow him. It also expects answers to prayers when they pray to God. Faith is the key that opens the door to many spiritual truths and divine experiences in our life. And and faith really does say that I believe in God. And and you start right there, and it's just a simple thing that I choose to believe the Bible, I choose to believe that God is who he says he is through scripture, and then that unlocks many doors that are connected to the spiritual realm. And, And this key is an imperative key. Without faith, your prayers have no opportunity to bring miracles no faith means no answers, no belief in God means no answer to prayers. And so we need to have faith, we need to understand that by faith we understand these things. Faith is not what I think, but what I know. I I can experience God, and and can I say this? Maybe you're struggling trying to find uh, an experience with God. You need to pray. Just pray and say, God, make yourself real to me. I've been trying to find the truth, but I don't know how to find the truth. Lord, open my eyes, my spiritual eyes to hear you, see you, and experience you. Trust me, God's going to answer your prayer. But you need to pray that prayer. It's this first step that I believe, all right, Lord. You know, Lord, I'm going to give you a try. You know, and God's okay with that. Give God a try. Let him make himself real to you because God will do that if you ask. It's all part of this prayer thing. It's all part of this faith thing. It, It starts at one point and builds from there. See, faith does not come from out of nowhere. It is a product of what's happening on the inside of you. And, you know, Dave Thomas, founder Wendy said that. He says, see, I'm a Christian, and, and he says, but I know this. It says, faith must be positive. I must live my faith. I, I don't wear it on my sleeve. I, I, I have it internally. It's within me, he says. And see, that's the kind of faith we're talking about, an internal faith, not an intellectual thing. We're talking about something that truly believes God is who he says he is, and I believe this too, that God will answer my prayers, that God will respond to me, that God will help me, that God will comfort me, that God will show me, lead me, and guide me. All of that is part of this faith walk, and the challenge is we just Need to step out in faith a little bit and believe that God's going to answer my prayers, that God is with me. And faith opens the door so God can hear our prayers. And faith opens the door for us to pray for others so that we can see them delivered even by the power of the Lord. I know some of the prayer requests over there on the wall are prayers for others. And I know some of those requests have come to pass because I've been kind of monitoring them over there where people are praying for someone else and then God does something in that other person's life. That builds your faith. Would you say amen to that? When you see answered prayers, it should build your faith because it means God is listening to your prayers. Lastly, number five. This one is pretty clear. You can turn with me to Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2. Known sin in your heart will hinder and block your prayers. So uh, Isaiah says, surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. This iniquity there is sin. Sins will separate us from God. Sin will hinder his face from looking upon us. And I believe even hearing our prayers like it says right here in Scripture. See, unrepentant sin will stop our prayers. Sin has this much power to undermine everything that God wants to do in our life. Sin can undermine it. Sin is not something to be played with, toiled with, or to be proud of. Sin is something that you need to avoid and stay away from. Sin is something that, yes, I know we're not, you know, but Pastor Mike, I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect. Yes, I make a mistake, but I don't continue to practice my sin. Can you say amen to that? I make a mistake, I blow it, you know, I mishear, misread, misspeak, missay something, and, and I say, hey, I'm sorry, you know, I, I, I blew that, and, and I don't wanna, I don't wanna dwell on that. And by the way, I did missay something last week. You don't wanna know what it was? Roger Ebert, I quoted Roger Ebert last week. How many remember that? He kinda, his website really ripped on the movie The War Room. And it does say, I went back and looked, the website does say, it is Roger Ebert's website. It is people using his name, but I discovered something about Roger Ebert. The War Room came out in 2015 and he died in 2013. So even though the website was wrong, I misspoke that Roger Ebert said this, when in reality it was somebody using Roger Ebert's name on his website where they review movies and they were the ones that were being pretty nasty toward the World War room. So I'm sorry for saying that, Amen. Thank you. <laughs> but, you but you see what I mean? We can, we can live in our denial and, and we can live and we can do these things, and we don't deal with being wrong. And, and we, you know, we live in a society that says it says, you know, "Hey, everything's OK, right? You know, there's no absolutes, there's no right and wrong, it all depends on the person, it all depends on your perspective or perception, but reality is, is we know this, that this is the truth of God's word, and we follow it. It is the basis and the foundation of society, should be, it is the basis and foundation of heaven, and and I I always say, you know, people say, ah, that book's antiquated and out of date, I've had people say that to me, and I always look at them and I say, well, here's the deal. When you're as old as this book, and still the bestseller every year, guess what? I'll listen to you. <laughs> but you've got to outlive this book, and you've got to show me that you're more influential than this book has been on seven continents across the world over all this historical time frame. Because this thing is real, and it's proven itself to be real over and over and over again if you seriously look at it. And I'm going to say it again, if you're searching and you really want to know if God's real or not, you need to pray the prayer, Lord, open my eyes to the truth. If you're real, show yourself to me, prove yourself to me, speak to me, send people into my path that could only know what you know. And then I'd also challenge you, open up his Bible, start reading in the book of John, because trust me, he will speak to you. He is living, breathing, and alive, and so is this resource right here. So I challenge you. So let's go back to Psalm 66, 17 to 20. I cried out to him with my mouth. His praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. There it is again in Scripture. But God has surely listened and heard my voice in prayer. Praise be to God who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. And so there it is in Scripture, and you will find it over and over and over again, that we have to get away from sin, we have to get out of sin. If you hold sin and practice sin and continue in sin, and you don't repent and turn away from your sin, it will hinder your prayers. It will be an obstacle to God hearing what you're praying about. And once again, I'm going to come back to how, how easy it is with God and with Jesus that if you find yourself saying, well, Pastor Mike, that's me, then guess what you can do? Lord, I'm sorry. Please forgive me of my sin. How many know it always works, amen? It works. And and, and God has given us the ability to repent, and that's not a bad thing. It's a good thing because I get the willingness to have my sins forgiven, whitewashed white as snow, and something supernatural happens when I do that. And so once again, I challenge you, if you've never prayed a prayer to God, try it. Pray a prayer to God. Ask Him something specific. Trust me. I have enough faith in God to know He can answer a specific request you have to find out if He's real or not. So ask it. I've shared this story before, but I think I'm going to share it one more time. Um, One guy named Shane was in a meeting, kind of about 5,000 people, and he was in the middle of a sermon like mine. And in the back of the room... Uh, somebody had walked into that meeting, and as this preacher was preaching, the Lord laid on his heart, Shane Bolts was his name, if I remember correctly, and uh, she came into this auditorium and said, Lord, if you are real, if you're really real, tell the preacher to say my name. And so he's in the middle of a sermon, he's preaching in an auditorium of 5,000 people, and he shares this story in his book. And he says, and I was so compelled to, to stop my sermon, and he just said this. And he says, so I stopped my sermon, and he said, I just really feel that so-and-so, and he uses her name, is here today, and, and is really crying out to God to really show himself to her. And she screams in the back of the auditorium, you know, like, that's me, that's me, you know. And long story short, God answered her prayer. That's how sure I am that if you have a specific prayer to really want to know God is who He says He is, to really want to know that God is the only way, to really want to know that the Bible is true, you need to just pray a prayer and ask God to reveal it to you. And trust me, I believe He will reveal Himself to you. That's my challenge to you. Amen? Because God answers prayer, He wants to answer our prayer, He wants to meet our needs. He wants to be there for us if we let him. He wants us to get rid of things that would hinder our prayers. See, you know, you know, as we come to the conclusion here, we can go on to our Roman slide again, but joy is connected with prayer. If you want to find joy in a journey, you've got to pray. And, and, you know, and you can ask the question, what do we need to know from this message today, Pastor Mike? Well, the answer is very simple. There are things in your life which will hinder your prayers if you do not get rid of them if you do not remove the obstacle, if you do not cast it out, if you do not uh, uh, directly take it out of your life, there are things which can hinder your prayers. Secondly, why do we need to know this truth about prayer? I mean, you know, what's the big deal about this prayer thing? Well, I don't know about you, but, you know, we need to understand that if we get rid of these obstacles to prayer, we're going to see more answers to our prayers. We're going to have more of an experience of God's presence. We're going to be aware of spiritual things. We're going to be reminded of things we should know. We're going to experience Yeshua, Jesus, in a new way. But it's the idea is, you know, that we got to get rid of things that are hindering our prayers. And we need to do this, and I want to say this again. If we really want to get rid of what I think is one of the major blocks to prayers today, and that is creating a culture of dishonor will never, uh, will never open up the heavens. Amen? We have to get, all right, you can clap for that. We need to create a culture of honor. If we create a culture of honor, God's going to hear our prayers in the church, in the school, and especially in our families at home as well. Thirdly, what do we need to do about what we learned today? I think we really do need to examine our hearts. I think we need to take a look at our soul deep within. Where is it? We need to look at, at where our spirit's at. And we need to remove anything that is an obstacle or could hinder our prayer. We need to have faith. We need to believe God is who he says he is. And and I don't care. Go ahead. Say something. Ask God to show himself to you. I'm going to say it again. See, I believe in the power of God to meet your prayer. I believe God will reveal himself to you personally and intimately if you ask. And so I'm going to say it again. Pray the prayer because when you pray and you do it in the right frame of mind with your heart in the right position, God's going to hear your prayer. And trust me, I believe God answers prayer. I believe God will reveal himself to you. I believe God will do something in your heart that you never thought could happen. I believe he could bring joy into your heart. He could get rid of depression, that he could get rid of feeling hopeless and no hope and not see light at the end of the town. God can do all of that if you open up your heart and just pray a simple prayer. That's why we need to do this thing. I don't know about you, but I need to know that I need to make sure that I get rid of those five things that could hinder my prayers. Because I want God to answer my prayers. I want to see revival in Chicago. I want to see revival in this church. I want to see revival over in the school. I want to see people's lives changed and transformed. I'd love to see our society around us become a society of honor and not dishonor. I'd love to see the division, and I'm going to say it, between democrats and republicans go away it's nothing but fighting and bickering and dishonor and deceit and this lie that lie and all this kind of stuff and that's not good for our country can i have an amen to that we need to have a culture of honor and we need to be the ones responsible to build it and we do that by getting back to god's word we do that by following his directive on how we should be getting along with one another how we should treat one another and it all comes back to our first text in First Peter, that hindered prayer comes when there's total disrespect between a husband and a wife. So with that, I'm going to have a stand and we're going to close in prayer today. I don't want to make this clear too. When you discover that maybe your prayers aren't being answered and maybe you're not in that position at this moment of time, but I want to challenge you to do the following. If you find or think your prayers aren't being answered, do a self-examination of your heart, soul, and mind, and then pray and go to the Lord in all humility, and ask him to reveal if there's anything in your life that is not pleasing to him that you need to get rid of, that you need to cast out, that you need to repent of. Then judge it, confess it, call it out by name, and then forsake it, because repentance means to turn away from sin. And then, by all means, pray in all simplicity and earnestness, believing that God will answer your prayer. And can I tell you, if you do it in that framework, he'll hear your prayer. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for a prayer. I thank you for the power of prayer to bring revivals to places like Wales, to the Azusa Street revival that swept across the United States, to the great awakenings that happened before the Revolutionary War. and even before World War II, all these sweeping moves of your spirit to what you did in Chicago in 1917, God, and brought this wave of revival across the city. Lord, I just pray once again that prayer would rise up within the church, within the Christian community, and that we would pray for revival to come in our hearts first and in our families first, God. And then that would spread to our churches and our schools and our community that surrounds us. So, Lord, just be with us, I pray, and continue to drive us toward prayer. Continue to create an unction within us to pray. And, Lord, we believe that as we pray and as we get removed uh, any of the hindrances we may have to prayer, that we get them out of the way, that we know, Lord, that you hear our prayers and you respond. And so, Lord, we ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. I'm going to have my prayer team members come on up front. If you desire prayer, we'll be happy to pray with any one of you today. I want to remind you today that we do have the big outreach today, uh, which I think over a thousand people have responded on the internet that they're coming. And so I wanna encourage you to be a light in the midst of these people today and speak to them. Maybe encourage somebody, maybe there's somebody God lays on your heart, go pray with them. I know we're gonna have a prayer tent set up as well and, and you know we're seeing God answer prayer requests. So if you do have any more prayer requests, put them on the wall. We are praying for those requests. And then if you do have answered requests, please put them up on the other side because that builds our faith. Amen. That's kind of encouraging to hear. So I want to encourage you to have a part of our um, trunk or treat today and be a part of that and use this opportunity to just minister love and honor to our community. Amen. Y'all do that for me. All right. Well, God bless you. If you need prayer, come on down front. We'll be happy to pray with you.